You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjax.com. So we're on this, um, first of all, there's 15 disciples. We're on this, um, <laughs> we're in this series on forgiveness. And I've been hearing from people about this. Uh, I spoke a few weeks ago and it's come back to me through my staff as I've been counseling and meeting with people, just how difficult forgiveness is. And um, it's one thing to know we're supposed to do it, and it's another to actually follow through and forgive people that have hurt us, that have wounded us in real ways. And I want to talk about why, one of the reasons why, I think it's the greatest reason why we have a difficult time forgiving people. But I also want to address, before I get into that piece of the talk, or kind of the, the main thrust of the talk, I want to I be clear about one thing, just a practicality, is that as Christians or as people who are trying to follow Jesus, we read verses like when Jesus was slapped, you know, Jesus tells us if we're slapped on one side of the cheek, you know, to, to let him hit us on the other. And we take sayings like that out of context and believe that when it comes to forgiveness or it comes to doing difficult things in the Bible, um, that we uh, are supposed to stay in places where we are allowing ourselves to be wounded or hurt. And that's not what forgiveness leads to. Forgiveness in relationship with Christ always leads to life, always leads towards freedom. And so if you're in a relationship with someone, it can be a mother-in-law, it can be a spouse, it can be a relative, it can be a coworker, and that person is hurting you, and you hear through these talks that you're supposed to forgive them. What I'm not saying, I want to be clear on this in a very practical sense before I move in. What I'm not saying is that Jesus is calling you to stay in a relationship where you are being abused, where you are being hurt continually. That forgiveness, relationship with Christ, always leads to greater life, greater freedom, okay? So I want to, I want to get that out of the way. So what that means practically is that as you learn to forgive people, it doesn't mean necessarily or usually ever that God wants you to stay in a relationship where you're being hurt. Now, that might mean that you take another difficult step to remove yourself from that relationship. And I don't know what that looks like. But the only way, and this is what the talk's about today, the only way you will know where you're supposed to be in that relationship, what that looks like, is if... You're allowing Jesus to lead you in forgiving other people. Because if you're somebody that's been hurt or abused or, or, or oppressed by someone, there will be times where Jesus will call you and strengthen you and help you remain at some level in that relationship. Or you might have to remain at some level in a relationship like that because of the context of your work environment or whatever. But you won't know to what level, you, don't know, you won't know what that looks like unless you're being led by Jesus, unless your eyes are on him and he's leading you through this process of forgiveness. But as I've been listening to people, I've been talking to people in the church, one of the things that, that's come back to me is that, all right, so I'm just gonna take it. You know, I'm in this abusive relationship. I'm, I've forgiven them, and I'm just going to let them keep beat the, you know, beating the snot out of me, physically, emotionally, or spiritually. And, and I'm saying, no, that's not right. That's wrong. That's wrong thinking. That's from the enemy, and it smells like smoke, okay? That is a lie. That is a lie. 
Now, what you're going to need to do, if you're in a relationship like that, you will need to meet with someone to help you learn how to remove yourself from that relationship. Unless Jesus is specifically telling you to stay in it. And I've seen him do that. I've seen him do that, but it is very rare. And there is a supernatural response on his part that meets you there, that allows you to stay, but does not allow you to continue to be hurt. I've seen it happen, but that is unusual. It is rare. It's usually the beginning of you learning to remove or out of the relationship, okay? But we can't do that. We won't know how to do that unless our eyes are on Jesus. Yesterday, I was at Hollybrook birthday party, and, um, and I saw a little boy this balloon was blowing around in the wind, and he was just like watching the balloon, just chasing it, like not a care to the world. And the Lord spoke to me, and he reminded me of a time when I was a little, uh, I was a, I was a little kid. I was probably, le- I know I was less than 10 years old. I was with my brother and my mom. We were at Burger King down in South Florida, and, uh, you know, we had the crowns. We just come out of Burger King, and we were wearing the Burger King crown, right? And it was on US-1, four-lane, busy highway in South Florida, and I'll never forget what happened. We were with my mom. She was holding our hands. And my brother's crown got blown off of his head. And he pulled away from my mom. And all you could, you could see him. He's looking at the crown. And he's running after this crown, right? It doesn't matter where the crown's leading him. It doesn't matter where the crown's going. His eyes are focused and they're fixed on this crown. And, I mean, if the crown would have gone, gone up the pole, he would have gone up the pole. You know, as it happens, the crown was blown into four lanes of traffic. And so my brother, not a care in the world, just he runs after this crown, eyes focused on the crown right into the midst of traffic. I remember my mom screaming, I'm screaming and starting to cry, you know, all because of my brother's, you know, him being led by his crown into this traffic. And you think, well, why would a kid do that? How could that happen? Well, I think... I think that's what we do. I think that's what happens to us, is that our eyes become focused on something, and we become consumed with something, and, we, and whatever that is, and it can be a lot of different things in our life, we become consumed, focused, and it leads us someplace. And if what we're focused on is not Jesus, it will lead us away from Jesus, because we can only focus on one thing at a time. It's, it, it's only, it's, it's impossible to focus your eyes on two different things. Now, I played baseball growing up. I've coached baseball. And what do you tell every little kid who's learning to catch or to hit? What? Keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. If you talk to a professional who's in a, a, heat, a hitting streak, they, what do they tell you? The ball looks like this. It's like a basketball that's, being, that's coming in there. I can't miss it. It's huge. Why? Because it's, he's able to focus on it. And when you, he focuses on the ball, everything else becomes blurry. Nothing else is important. And so he's able to wait on it. He's able to see how fast it is. It says you, you can see when you, you learn how to hit well, you can tell how the ball spins. Alex told me that whenever, whenever he was um, playing for Florida, that he, on, on the tip of the football, they would write one, two, three, four in each quadrant of the letter. And he says what they would teach you is to watch and be able to count the numbers as they spun as the ball came into you to catch it. That was the focus that they were trying to teach you. Why is that? Because whenever 85,000 people are cheering for you, if, you're, if you take your eye off the ball, you will get distracted and you won't catch it. In baseball, if you take your eye off the ball, you won't hit it consistently. If you take your eye off the ball, you won't catch it. The same is true with us. Psalm 141.8 says, But my eyes are fixed 
on you, sovereign Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not give me over to death. But my eyes are fixed on you. Keeping our eyes on Jesus is the same thing as learning to trust Jesus. Learning to trust him in all of life's circumstances. And I'm I'm not talking about I trust Jesus in a general sense. It's like the electric bill came in. It was 10 times what we thought it was because we left the pool heater on for two months. And I don't have the money for it. What's my response going to be? Is it going to be the electric bill or is it going to be Jesus? Or it's my daughter or son is a 17, 16, 15, you know, teenager, and they're doing things that I, I don't think are healthy, and, and, and it's consuming my life, they're stressing my life, and I don't know what to do. What do I do? What do I do? Do I focus on that, or do I focus on Jesus? And this is what happens. When you decide to trust Jesus, it, it becomes a pattern in your life, and it might be a thousand times a day decision-making, not once in the morning, we read our quiet time, we read our verse, uh, you know, but my eyes are fixed on you. Sweet, let me go off to work. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about hundreds or maybe thousands of times a day. When it com- the, the problem comes in, you make a choice. I'm going to trust Jesus. The problem comes in, I'm going to cr- trust Jesus. I don't know what to do with my life, I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm not sure what's going on with my marriage, I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to speak to Jesus. I'm going to go to Jesus. And what happens is, like muscle memory, our brain and our spirit begin to work together in this effort. And so he becomes the default. He becomes, the, he becomes what we go to again and again if we begin these patterns in our life. But they, they require obedience. They require discipline. It's a choice that we make on the front end. If our brain isn't used to going that way, if our spirit's not used to being led that way by us taking every thought captive, then we won't go that way. You know, when I meet and I talk with people and I hear stress and anxiety and, you know, worry is consuming their life, and I'm the same way, there's one reason. It's because my eyes aren't on Jesus. It's because I'm not choosing to trust Jesus with the things in my life. I've given my heart, I've given my mind over to these other things. You see, this is what happens in baseball, in in the natural and in the supernatural, we are still only able to focus on one thing. And if we are focusing on Jesus, everything else becomes less important. Everything else loses its edge. Everything else becomes blurred. Not that it's not important, not that it's not there, but it's not what we're focused on. And in the same way, if we focus on the things of the world, on the problems in our life, on the relationships, on the stress, on the work, on the money, on the whatever, on the ability to forgive the person we feel like God's calling us to forgive, if we focus on the problem, if we focus on the issue, what happens to Jesus? He becomes blurry. He becomes less important. He becomes less obvious. So our choice is either, and again, this could be hundreds or thousands times a day, who will I choose to trust? What will it look like when I choose to trust Jesus? I know what it feels like when I choose to trust the world. I get stressed. I get anxious. I get overwhelmed. I get consumed. I become angry. I become bitter. All of these things. And what will happen is you learn to trust Jesus again and again and again. You, kind of, you develop this healthy rut in your life of behavior, of thinking, Allowing the Spirit to lead you into this thinking. And then what will happen is that you'll grow in your ability to trust Jesus. He'll strengthen you. And your life will mature in trusting Jesus. 
And there will be times where you'll have to, to flex that optic spiritual nerve. Where, it, where the problem will be so great that I, you'll have to make a conscious decision. Because you'll want to follow it. Because it seems so big. This happened to me this week. I, I was practicing this practically. I got a phone call from someone. And they're like, this is what's going on. And immediately, like, I felt this like, fear rise up in me. And I, made a, and I remember hanging the phone up. I was with a group of friends. Hanging the phone up. Taking a breath and, and just and, and closing my eyes and saying, Jesus, I choose to trust you with this issue. I'm choosing now to trust you with this issue. I don't know what it's going to look like when I leave here, but I'm choosing to trust you with this issue. And so it wasn't just like, oh, I just trust Jesus because, you know, whatever. I mean, it was, it was a choice that I had to make. But it's either or. Either the problem will define us or Jesus will define us in what he wants. And so I talked a few weeks ago on forgiveness, and this is how it relates to forgiveness. Is that if we're trying to forgive someone that's hurt us, we're trying to forgive someone that's wounded us in a real way. We're trying to forgive. I'm telling you, Jesus is telling us that this is the heart of the Father. This is central. This is what separates us as Christians from other people, is that he's calling us to release people from the burden that they deserve to carry from hurting us. That's grace. Us choosing to take that burden and to carry it because Jesus carried it for us. And we're called to release people that have wounded us, that have betrayed us, that have left us, that have, that have left us isolated, without resources sometimes, to fend for ourselves, alone and lonely. Scripture tells us you are to release them and to trust me, to come to me. But when we look at that, we just were like, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. Mm-mm. I can't. They, it's too big. It's too much. It's too messy. It's too painful. I can't go there. And if that is your response, it's not because God's releasing you from forgiveness. It's because your eye is fixed on the wrong thing. Your eyes have left Jesus and have wandered to the problem. And you're allowing the problem and the magnitude of the problem, and the, and the request that is supernatural to take your eyes off Jesus. Does that make sense in a practical way? And so this is what it might look like. Just You have a mother-in-law, let's say. Or a mother. That's just critical. She's just critical. She nags you. She bothers you. Or, or a father. He bothers you. He nags you. You never measure up. You've heard it your whole life growing up. You've never been made to feel accepted and loved and cared for. And you're in this relationship. And every time you're around him, you're worried that it's going to rub off on your children. And at the same time, your pain in the rear pastor is telling you, you got to forgive her. You got to release her from this because it's consuming your life. What's consuming your life? The worry, the fear, the anxiety, the resentment, the bitterness, the anger that comes whenever you feel this way towards someone who's hurting you and potentially your, your kids. And so this problem has consumed you. And you can't get beyond it. And every time you see them, it just gets a little worse. And they offer things like, hey, you want to get ice cream? What do you mean I provide ice cream for my kids? And they start doing nice things and it becomes negative. You know, I mean, we do that. That's what happens to your heart. This is why you need to forgive is because you will be captured by this bitterness. You will be transformed. They'll be saying nice, lovely, and pleasant things. Do you hear what she said? Well, honey, she didn't say anything. I mean, it was really kind. 
No, there was an edge to it. I heard it. There was that same, well, that's what unforgiveness breeds in your life. That's what you can look forward to. That's what I guarantee you, you will come to serve and be a slave to if you do not learn to forgive. If you're allowing the person or the problem that they present in your life to become your focus. But again, the only way that happens is if you take your eyes off Jesus. Because you can't keep your eyes on Jesus. You can't be following Jesus, being obedient to Jesus, listening to Jesus, being led by the Spirit, and being pissed off at everyone and their mom. Okay, you just can't do that. You can't do both. You might try for a while, but it cannot happen. You cannot have anger and resentment in your heart, bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart, and be following Jesus, and be focused on Jesus. And have your eyes on Jesus. The Colossian church is one of many churches that we see Paul writing letters to in the New Testament with the same, exact same problem. You know, these young churches, what would happen is that, you know, Pap, you know they're, they're, I'm not going to even say names because I can't pronounce them. But there's this little, there was this guy that was with Paul on one of his missionary journeys. He receives the gospel. He goes back to, you know, the church, the Colossian church, and he begins to share about Jesus, and they become believers. And the church kicks off as a result of this person coming back. Epaphroditus, I think is his name. But anyway, we'll call him Epi. No, but anyway, so he comes back, and the church starts. And then Paul gets wind of the church having lost its focus on Jesus. They'd forgotten They'd forgotten what originally brought them into relationship with Jesus, thanksgiving and grace. And they're being pulled away by the schemes of the world. They're being pulled away by philosophies and ideologies of the world. And they're starting to focus on the problems of the world instead of focusing on Jesus. And this is the scripture I want to read that shows us. This is what it looks like to keep our eye on the ball if Jesus is the ball. This is what, this is, this is what will happen in our life as we're obedient to focus on Jesus and not the problems. As we're obedient to learn to forgive instead of having unforgiveness in our heart. It says here in Colossians 2, 6 to 10. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding and thanksgiving. I'm gonna read that again because it just came up on the screen. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, Paul's saying this, therefore, okay, now remember, remember just as you have received Jesus, just as you were when you first received Jesus as your Lord. He's getting to tell them what to remember. He says this, so walk in him. So just as you came to him, you need to continue to walk and live focused life on him. Rooted, built up, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Paul's saying this, when you came to Jesus, it was through grace. He's reminding him, remember I, whenever we, we had that picture of the tree, and I said, and, and, and the ground of grace, it was, the, the tree was rooted in, and I said one of those roots was forgiveness, but if that root of forgiveness is in anything but grace, it will be driven out of a works mentality, not a grace mentality. And Paul's drawing our attention to it here. He's saying, remember that you're rooted, grounded, and built up in grace. And what's our response? It's, it's, it's thanksgiving. Remember and be thankful for where you once were and where you've come from. That it's been grace. It's grace that you've been saved by, not your works so that no one would boast. 
It's the love of Jesus. It's Jesus that you were saved by. Remember that being rooted. And, and, this, and when it talks about this language here, the language that Paul's using is of a house that's being built, tier upon tier upon tier upon tier upon tier. And what's happening in the life of the Colossian church is that they have the foundation that's in Christ. But as they're building and they're growing as a church, as they're growing in their faith, the ideologies and the philosophies of the world are coming in and preventing the building from becoming what it was created to be, preventing their life from becoming what it was prevented to be. We go on and read this. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And so what's happening in the Colossian church is that there's these, these thoughts that are coming in. There's lots of different commentaries on, you know, is this Greek thought? Is it Stoicism? Is it, is it Gnosticism? Is it, is it uh, philosophies? Is it mind? And, 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 or is it spiritual? Is it spiritual? Is it demonic activity that's at the root of these things? And it's all the above. It's all the above. It's anything in the natural or the spiritual that's pulling our eyes off Jesus and being focused on Jesus. It's any and all of those things. And if we listen to the world, we listen to other philosophies other than what God's calling us to, it will stunt our growth individually and it will stunt our growth as a church. It will cause us to take our eyes off Jesus. And he sees this happening in the church and he's calling them back and saying, focus again on Jesus. Look to Jesus. Then the philosophies will become blurred. And then he ends with this. For in him, this is awesome. This is an awesome verse to to, to memorize. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In Christ, the fullness of all God and his love and his grace dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of of all rule and authority, that you have been filled, and again, the picture is not just like filled to the top, it's, it's you have been filled, are being filled, and you're overflowing. That's what Paul's talking about. He's like, remember Jesus, and as you remember Jesus, remember who he is and what he's done, that he is the visible expression of the invisible God with, where all deity exists, and the same power that lives in him lives in you, and it's filling you up to do these crazy things I'm calling you to do. But you won't be able to do them if you take your eyes off Jesus. You won't be able to do them if you allow the philosophies of the world, self-help books, relationship books, marriage books, from the world to distract you from what Jesus tells us on how we're supposed to treat people in relationship, to extend grace and forgiveness. But they've hurt me. I know they've hurt you. It doesn't change God's command. And when you choose not to obey or become rebellious, which is what unforgiveness is, is you will be stunted in your growth with Jesus. You will not become the building that he is desiring to build in you and to make you. And then we're affected as a church because then we're filled with half-grown people that are angry at everyone and bitter with unforgiveness. That's not a happy place to bring people. I'll tell you that now. I've been there. I've been to churches like that. And it's why we're here, because we don't want that. But in order for that to happen, you have, it begins by going back to Jesus. It begins by refocusing on Jesus. To forgive, your focus has to be on Jesus. I really want to do a role play. You have to come to the second hour. This is what it would look like. I'm going to play all three roles because we don't have the time. Person who's, who's, who's hurting you, okay? And this is you right here. 
Without Jesus, Jesus off to the side because you can't focus on both. You have a clear, you have a clear shot. You deserve to hurt them because they've hurt you. There's every worldly reason that, that you should be able to have vengeance on them, that you could claim justice, that you could, you, know, you could make them feel the pain that you've gone through. I'm going to move to the middle, okay? But in order to have that relationship with that person where there's unforgiveness, Jesus is, just know this, he's not where he should be in your life. He can't be. He can't be. Danny, come up here real quick. Come up, run here. Run, run, run. Jesus enters the scene. I have a beard even, but we're not going to do that. Come here, Jesus. Jesus, come here. Now, as long as Jesus is there, I have a clear shot. Now, I put Jesus here. Jesus, I'm going to focus on you. I'm focusing on you, Jesus. I can't see the person unless I'm looking through Jesus. I can't get to him. All of a sudden, my anger, my bitterness, my, my, my violence, what I want to do to that person, where does it go? Boom. It goes to the cross. It goes on to Jesus where it belongs. That's what he's died for. And so what happens to the person behind him? Well, they don't get that. He does. Why? Because he paid for it. He's purchased that for me and for the person behind him. What's the other thing that happens? Is that they have to go through Jesus as well. So he becomes my advocate. When I'm focused on Jesus, not only is he protecting me from hurting and unforgiving the other person, but he's also protecting me from continuing to be hurt by them. See how visual aid helps? <laughs> but, but Antley, you don't understand. I've been hurt so much. I can't even be in the same room. I've been, or I don't know the person. I, they, they, they hurt me, and it was when I was a child, and I, I, I don't know who they are or where they are anymore. What then? This is what Jesus does. Jesus goes, just stay focused on me, Antley. You stay focused on me. I'm calling you to be focused on me. I'm calling you to look at me. And this is what Jesus does. If the person's still there, Jesus goes like this. Or we can't see him. Jesus says, just follow me. And he pulls me away from that person because I can't handle it right now. My heart's not in a place that I can be around that person. My heart's not in a place that I can be healed. My heart's, if I can't forgive that person, Jesus is gonna protect me and bring me to a place where he's gonna heal me. He's gonna love me. And then when it's time, he's gonna go, all right, Antley, you're ready now. And I'm gonna bring you back. In my timing, in my time, and he's going to bring me back to that person. And he's going to allow me, because of the forgiveness I've received with him, to be healed now in front of them. But there's no way that this can happen if you're not focused on Jesus. This is not a theology that you learn and then apply. This is Jesus leading each and every one of us differently by the Spirit, slowing us down in traffic or speeding us up at the right time when our heart is ready. Thanks, Danny. That's what God's calling us to. That's what God wants. That's what it means. That's what it looks like to focus on Jesus. Those are our two choices. Psalm 141. But my eyes are fixed on you, sovereign Lord, because I don't want death anymore. I don't want unforgiveness. I don't want bitterness. I don't want the things that I'm left to focus on if I'm not focusing on you. Let's stand. Forgiveness is at the heart of who we are as Christians. It is, it is so central to the Father's love and his heart. 
for what he desires to extend to this world. And at the same time, I know that it is very difficult. It requires you, it requires you to be filled up, rooted, grounded, and focused on Jesus. That's the only way that we can do it, is when we're focused on Jesus. And so this morning, I would just invite anybody who has lost focus. If you're having stress, anxiety, worry, difficulty forgiving someone, and you know when I'm talking, when I'm doing this talk, I know right now, every one of you have somebody that you have a difficult time forgiving right now. There's someone in your life that's hurting you or who has hurt you. Today, the step is to focus on Jesus. Beyond that, you can trust Jesus to lead you. You can trust Jesus to lead you to the next step. But today, the step requires you to focus on Jesus. And so if you'd like to come down, I'm gonna ask that Jesus is gonna reveal himself to you, that you're gonna see his face, that he is gonna remind you of the love that he has for you and empower you to do what he's calling you to do, that he'd fill you with his love. If you, could, if you wanna come forward for prayer for any reason, for physical healing, we'll pray for you over by the cross. If our prayer ministers could come down, that'd be great. But anybody who would like to receive or, or just God's love, to receive Jesus' love again, to be reminded of how much Jesus loves you and what he's been through so that you can forgive people. Or if you're in a relationship where you're having a hard time forgiving someone and you need the strength or the direction or the guidance on what that looks like, come forward and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to show you where Jesus is leading you. Is he leading you in deeper in that relationship or is he leading you out? And what does that look like? Life is too painful and messy and there are no, no, there are no formulas that work with this kind of stuff. It's being led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit to do the things that we cannot do on our own. Forgiveness, it's very tough, very tough.